There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. Hallelujah. Would y'all shout if you're excited to be a part of a church where some men love Jesus? Hallelujah. Thank you all so much. Let's get right into the word. Lift your Bibles. Hey, everybody standing with me. Lift your Bibles high. We are in our series, Soul Surgery, and uh, I am really excited. I got to be honest with you. I am perhaps most excited about this message, uh, perhaps maybe then it's, it's definitely one of my top ten. Uh, it's one of my top ten because as I was researching and studying for it, I was able to come across some startling, uh, very profound information that explained a lot of, uh, shall we say, things that had not yet been explained as it relates to how certain folk act. <clears throat> so I want you to do, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do me a favor. Uh, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Today, today, the whole time he's preaching, whole time he's preaching. It's, all it's all for you. It ain't even for me. It for it's for you. It now you see what you just did. You see what you just <laughs> Today, while I'm teaching, don't be thinking about your neighbor. Don't be thinking about your cousin. Don't be thinking about your mama and them. I'm talking to you. Say your name. Say your name. That's who this word is for. Because today, I found something that the enemy has been using against us that has been creating self-sabotage. But today, we're going to break that thing in your life. I said, today, you're going to break that thing in your life. Y'all ready for this? Listen, and if you weren't here last week, you got to get last week's CD because I'm going to build on that. But let's get right into it. I am so excited. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I am a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message 
Hallelujah. Remain standing. Go to Isaiah 53. It's the same scripture we were in last week. We're going to build off of where we started last week with grief. How many people last week just, just make some noise if you discovered you were grieving in some areas and didn't even know it? <laughs> Amen. Isaiah 53, 4. You got it? You still flip and say, hold on, Bishop. I'll wait on you. Hallelujah. What's his holy name? Isaiah 53, 4. You got it? Or foe, depending on where you're from. Surely he has borne. We learned last week that means he has taken, lifted, and carried away our griefs and carried our sorrows. That means mental pain. Uh, just say to yourself, say your name. Jesus. Say, Jesus paid for Jesus paid. your mental pain. Uh -huh, he paid for that. So if he paid for it, why are you still punishing yourself with it? Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Father, I pray now that as we are in soul surgery, I decrease that you might increase. Father, lay us out on your spiritual surgical table and do surgery on us today. Take out of us the things that grief has been producing in our lives. And we ask that you do it not tomorrow, not next year, not next month, not next week. But we just believe we serve a God that can do it right now. We just serve serve a God that we believe can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And we ask that you would do surgery on us right now in the name of Jesus. If you want him to not do it tomorrow, uh, not 10 days from now, but you want it now, I just need you to shout right now. Yeah. Hallelujah. Do me a favor. High five two or three people as you take your seats and just tell them you're not guilty. You're not guilty. You're not guilty. <laughs> it's going to be good for us today. I said, this is going to be good for us today. Now, now, listen, as we deal with this concept of soul surgery, understand that your soul is your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. And in this series, we've been talking about how often people and situations are gone and we're left to clean up the baggage that's been left. And oftentimes that baggage gets left in our soul. Now, last week we started talking about grief. Somebody say grief. grief. Say it when we say grief. And how you can be grieving and not even know that you're grieving. You can be dealing with stuff you're not even aware that you're dealing with, yet it affects your behavior. And so your behavior affects your decisions. Your decisions affect your quality of life. And you're sitting up here trying to say, how is it that I have this when I serve a God who says I can have this? How is it that I'm tolerating and putting up with this, yet I read a Bible that says I can have this? Sometimes there becomes a conflict between what you're experiencing and what you're reading that you can experience. Am I talking to anybody? Sometimes you're trying to figure out and reconcile how it is that you're experiencing this yet your Bible says that you can be experiencing something different hence the purpose of soul surgery say I need surgery, I need surgery. now watch this now as we get into this message I want to be clear just for the sake of the record uh, that I am not a medical doctor nor a psychologist so if you need to see somebody you need to see somebody I'm just giving my standard disclaimer so we can all be on the same page. Now, we started talking about how grief is our natural response to human loss. Here's where I want to take it another further. Human loss, whether it's real, implied, or perceived. Oftentimes, you can think you've lost when you've not actually lost. Sometimes things are just misplaced. Uh, now, now, what happens is, is now there's some natural, natural things of loss. We talked about loss of a loved one, being diagnosed with a chronic uh, or terminal disease, disability from an accident or illness, 
divorce or knowing that one is coming. Uh, breakups with part because sometimes you be playing like you don't know what you're dealing with. And the truth is, you know, you just don't want to act like you know. Um, breakups, uh, uh, miscarriages, stillbirth, birth of a child with a birth def- defect, being diagnosed with infertility, learning your child has a behavior problem, a learning disability, substance abuse disorder, moving from a familiar home, job loss, or inability to produce substantial income, loss of dependence, and active violence or natural disaster. Those are just some examples. Say examples of loss. Now, 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 now check this out. Grief, now watch this, it is our human response to whether the ro- loss is real, implied, or perceived. And last week we talked about the paradox of grief. Say the paradox. A paradox is a statement that apparently contradicts itself, and yet it might be true. It means it's two statements that are joined together, and they are simultaneously existing in the same place, yet it seems impossible for them to exist in the same place. Example, it would be paradoxical in nature for you to say you're hot, and yet I'm cold at the same time. But can we be honest that there's times you've had your heat on with the window let down a little bit? Don't tell me I'm the only one that's ever done that. Don't tell me I'm the only one that's ever done that. So that, that experience by itself is a paradox because if you're cold, turn your heat on. But if you got your heat on, why you got your window cracked? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when we talked about this with grief, I'm going somewhere. When we talked about this with grief, uh, guilt, <clears throat> grief can also be caused, excuse me, by a loss related to something that's a seemingly positive life change. Now, the paradox is that when there's gain, your soul, which is your what? Mind, thoughts, will, and emotions can sometimes process it as a loss. Because remember, grief is our response whether it's real, implied, or perceived. So check this out. You can find yourself in grief when something good happens to you. So you could get a breakthrough, which means you should be happy. But you can start the process of grief because you finally lost your struggle. And so now you don't know what to do with yourself because you used to having to claw and fight and act a fool to get everything. And now that stuff is coming to you a little bit easier, you can't reconcile why that's happening because you're trying to reconcile your bad behavior with God's good grace and they don't reconcile. So you're trying to figure out how is this good stuff happening to me? I don't understand why this is happening to me. And so you find a way to mess it up. Okay. Yeah, it's a paradox. It's a paradox. You're starting school. You ought to be happy, but you can begin the process of grief because you perceived a loss of uh, a loss of familiar surroundings. When you finally get serious about God, you should be happy, uh, but you can perceive it as a loss because now you're losing the old version of you, and now that you're becoming new, you're even new to yourself. So you lost the dysfunction that you did know, even though you wanted to lose it, but because you lost it, you're grieving. This is the reason why sometimes, I need to help your neighbor here, this is the reason why sometimes when people get saved and they get on fire, uh, they start getting judgmental. They forget that it wasn't just a few weeks ago that you was the one. Uh, They forget it was just a few weeks ago that you was the, oh, y'all ain't going to say that to me. You forget that not too long ago it was you. But because you're in the process of grief, you are now forgetting that you got some stuff you're working through too. But now you become judgmental to compensate for your loss. It's real quiet right through here. Okay, so, 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 so when people walk out, that's a good thing. Bishop, why? Because now you know what you're dealing with. Blessed be the name of Jesus. You sitting here crying, you ought to be shouting. Thank God you didn't spend not another dollar on that joker. 
Ain't nobody going to say nothing. Maybe y'all talk to me over here. Thank God you didn't spend not another phone call. You was using up all your minutes talking to that sucker. You ought to thank God that they walked out so you ain't got to waste not another dime and not any more time. Y'all not saying nothing to me. So you ought to be happy when people walk out because now you know what you're dealing with. Instead, you can process it as loss, which means now you can lose trust and you can lose confidence, which means now you begin the process of grieving. So it's a paradox. Now, check this out. Grief is crazy. Touch your neighbor and say, he's going to go somewhere. Y'all got to stay with me. Grief is crazy because grief wants you when you're happy and grief wants you when you're not. And I found out that grief reproduces and grief has a daughter. Okay, come on, stay with me. I found out that grief has a daughter and her name is guilt. Grief has a daughter and her name is guilt. Now, Proverbs 30, 15. Flip there real quick because I want you to see something. Say guilt. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Grief has a daughter. Through the process of grief, she produces something. Now, I'm just saying she because that's the personification I'm choosing to use. There's really only two options, so I flipped a coin and picked that one. <laughs> and because it works real nice with this scripture. Proverbs 30 and 15. You ready? The leech has two daughters. Give me and give me some more. Let me just pause right here for the cause and parenthetically insert this. Some of the folk you call your friends, they got a, they, they, they got a daughter. Give me and give me some more. But have you ever noticed when you need a shoulder to cry on, when you need somebody to pray for you, y'all ain't saying nothing. Fine, whatever. All right, put the scripture up. Here it is. The leech has how many daughters? Two. And what are their daughters' names? Give me and give me some more. Now, I'm from the South, and so we said some more. Okay? Now, because that's the two daughters she has. There are three things that are never satisfied and four never say enough. Look at me, y'all. Look at me. Grief has a daughter. The daughter's name is guilt. Guilt's daughters are give me and give me some more. Now, I'm going to help you. 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 Touch your neighbor. He's going to help us. I'm going to help me too. We we all just going to be helped. (laughs) The word leech in Hebrew is the Hebrew word aliquah, which means this, a vampire-like demon okay so put the scripture up so the vampire like demon well who did we just identify that is guilt has two daughters give and give me some more bishop what is it that you're trying to say uh can i take you another further and then you'll understand this leech called guilt because the truth of the matter is is that sometimes you can be in the process of grief and now you begin to feel guilty for things that you shouldn't be carrying the guilt for I'm going to help you because, because we still don't understand it quite yet. I'm going to help us. Just stay with me. Stay with me. Guilt shows up in the symptoms and in the stages of grieving. And remember, it's a vampire-like demon. It is literally, I like, I like horror movies. I like scary movies a lot of times because they're funny. Uh, but because, <laughs> you, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like you, you get to talk to the screen. You know how some of y'all do. Which, by the way, that's really rude for the rest of us. I came to watch the movie, not to listen to you commentate on the movie the whole time. Come on, fellas, don't leave me like that. Y'all, you, just, you be saying, I'm trying to watch the movie. You say, Girl, get out the house. Girl, get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. You know he was coming. She, she knew he was coming. 
Could you please keep all of your commentary? Type it. Send a text to yourself. I paid $12 to watch it. <laughs> Not, okay. Anyway, back to the message. Okay, watch this. Say guilt. guilt. Now, we just learned guilt is a what? Vampire-like demon. Let me, now, let me show you why. Let's walk another further. There's five categories in the symptoms of grief. We talked about the physical symptoms last week. Disturbances in sleep patterns, fatigue, restlessness, nausea, pain, tension in the body, decreased immune system, difficulty in stopping, stopping activity, inactivity, unusual clumsiness. We talked about that last week. We talked about the emotional symptoms of grief. Crying. You sitting up crying, don't know why you cried. Ain't nothing to cry about. It's the middle of the day. Yeah, ain't nothing to cry about. Well, well, I said sadness, fear and anxiety, numbness, emptiness, loneliness, anger, helplessness, irritability. Now, some of that irritability you can fix if you just go eat. Now, I know that's not real deep and spiritual, but some of what you're trying to pray, oh, I just pray this irritability off of me. Just go have a sandwich, and I promise you, you're going to feel a little bit better. You're just hungry. <laughs> a sense of observing yourself. Check this out. And guilt. Reduced confidence, lowered self-esteem, loss of interests, uh, loss of interest, excuse me, and previously enjoyed activities. Now, we're talking about good things, not crazy stuff. The cognitive manifestations of grief in your mind, slow thinking or processing, difficulty making simple decisions. You can't figure out where you want to go eat. You spend more gas driving around trying to figure out what you're going to do. Okay, it's real quiet right there. You just sit in your car. I just went for a drive. No, you're just grieving. <clears throat> Mental confusion, uh, confusion, excuse me, false daydreams or flashbacks, uh, spiritual manifestations of grief, a sense of distance from God, anger at God, isolation from church, social manifestations of grief. I'm going so fast because we talked about this last week. Isolation and withdrawal, preoccupation with your own feelings and excluding others and relationship stress. But notice one of those emotional symptoms of grief was what? Guilt. Guilt is a what? Vampire-like demon with how many children? Two of them. What are their names? Give me and give me some more. Now, stay with me because it's going to be good to you and real good in a minute. Now, watch this. Not only does it show up in the symptoms, but it shows up in the first four of the five stages of grief. Uh, now, there are five stages of grief. Uh, the first is denial. You deny the events happening when you perceive a loss. You deny that it's happening. Then you begin to withdraw. Uh, that's also the stage where normally lying begins to occur. And you'll lie about things that aren't even connected to what the issue is. Where were you, huh? Huh is not a location. It's quiet in this church. <clears throat> Parents, if you want to know if your child is lying, when they answer with ha, huh, it is because their mind is trying to process something creative to respond to. So it's real easy. You want to find out if somebody's lying to you, just ask them a question real quick that requires a quick answer. What you doing? Huh? Okay, let's move along. I just busted all the liars. They can't use that no more now. God, dog, Bishop, how are you going to do that to me? You took my... <clears throat> the second stage of grief, stay with me. This is going to be good for us, is anger. 
It's common for a person to last out in the anger stage of grieving and begin to question why. You can also begin to be angry at someone who causes the pain. You can also be angry at yourself. You're mad. And sometimes that anger becomes uncontrollable. It becomes hot anger, which becomes wrath. And, and it can show up at the most inopportune time. You should be enjoying the moment, but you're angry because you're grieving. And grief has a daughter. And her daughter has two daughters. It's a lot of women in this house. Now you understand all the chaos and the turmoil. All of them trying to get in the bathroom, everybody leaving their hair, sharing curling irons and stuff. It's all kind of things going on. <laughs> the third stage of, grie uh, of grief is bargaining. You begin to bargain with God. <coughs> Excuse me. For example, we'll say things like this, uh, Lord. I'll be a better person if you do this. <laughs> Lord, if you do this, I'll do this. And hopes that the bargain is going to begin to turn things around. Then you begin to bargain with yourself. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. And this is normally a lot of the times where you see guilt begin to manifest. I should have did this. I wish I did this. Why did I do that? How come I didn't pay attention to all the signs? Why didn't I listen to them when they showed me who they were? Why didn't I do this? Watch this. Watch this. Remember, though, it could be also implied. So you can feel responsible for something you're not responsible for. Watch this. Maybe had I prayed for so-and-so another time, they wouldn't have did this. Maybe, maybe had I watched this, parent. Maybe had I hugged them one more time, they wouldn't act like this. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I had done this, they wouldn't have done this. So now you begin to blame yourself for stuff that the truth be told, you cannot be responsible for the actions of other people. And so now you're trying to bargain, and now guilt begins to form are you still here then the fourth stage is depression the feeling of giving up and not caring anymore and people who are in the depression stage often result feeling numb and the fifth stage acceptance uh, uh which we're not going to get in today now we talked about that now now check this out y'all ready for this this was really, really interesting to me. So this is going to be intriguing. So stay with me. Now, I'm going to get a little technical over the next few moments. So you need to stay with me. Touch your neighbor and say, stay with the bishop. Here's how guilt works. <clears throat> An action, check this out, or inaction creates guilt. You can do something that creates guilt. Watch this. Or you cannot do something which creates guilt. Okay? Got it? So uh, let, me, let me get an example. If somebody's... Uh, you see somebody getting beat up. Okay. Now, you got two options. Or I guess three. Well, depending on where you're from, maybe four. <laughs> but the generally, generally accepted options, y'all still with me? So, one, you can go get involved in the fight. <coughs> you can say, wait a minute, stop it. You can, you can try to break the fight up, right? Two, you can pick a side in the fight and begin to fight. Three, you can keep walking. Four, you can call the appropriate authorities. Got it? So, okay, those are kind of our four options, right? Now, check this out. If that person's getting beat up and you walk away and do nothing, and later on you see on the news that that person's severely injured, all of a sudden now, your inaction can create a feeling of guilt. Okay, come on, be a good class, be a good class. Be 
because you're thinking to yourself, I could have done something. Let me give you another example. Someone, someone can make a decision in their life that's detrimental to them, and now you can begin to say, well, I should have done something more than what I did. Not realizing that the truth is you couldn't have done anything different because they weren't telling you the whole story in the first place. But action or inaction creates guilt. Now, by definition, stick with me. By definition, guilt is an emotional experience. It's a, it's a feeling of responsibility for some offense, crime, or wrong. Watch this. Whether it's real or imagined. Okay. You, you have felt guilty. Watch this. Let me help you. For doing for yourself. All the people with high, high, uh, your top five spiritual gifts is mercy. You've probably experienced that. If mercy is one of your top five spiritual gifts, you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, you need to go to KLU so you can find out what your spiritual gifts are. But if mercy is one of your top five gifts, I guarantee you, you've probably had at least one experience in life where you've done for you and then felt bad about doing for you. Y'all ain't getting what I'm saying. Let me give you an example. So you do for everybody else. You, you everybody else's prayer partner. You paying for everybody else. You fasting for everybody else. You giving money when people need it. You're doing all of that. And the moment you go spend $45 on yourself, now you're sitting here trying to spend two days getting over the guilt of spending $45 for you. You went to work to earn that $45, but you feel bad about it. I'm not talking to anybody. Anybody ever experienced that? So check this out. That's the crazy thing about guilt is that there shouldn't be a reason to be guilty about that, but you have a responsibility because somehow you have convinced yourself that you've done wrong. So let me give you the definition again because this is, this is, this is, this, we're going to get in the meat of it. My God. By definition, guilt is an emotional experience. It's a feeling of responsibility for some offense, crime, wrong, etc. Whether it's real or imagined. Whether it's real or imagined. Whether it's real or imagined. Anybody ever had somebody ask you to tell them the truth? And then you told them the truth? And then you felt guilty for telling them the truth? You gave them what they asked for. And now you feel guilty for giving them what was truthful because it's whether it's real or even imagined. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, so here's how guilt works. Y'all still with me? Okay. Action or inaction creates this feeling of guilt. You feel responsible. Somebody decides that they're going to do something crazy in their life. You feel responsible. Somebody decides that they're going to end their lives. You feel responsible. Somebody passes away. You feel responsible. Somebody loses their job. You feel responsible. Somebody doesn't follow the advice that the scripture gave them. You feel responsible. You could be a child and feel responsible for your parent because the truth is the roles get reversed and you're raising them. Okay, it's quiet in the church. You feel responsible. It's dangerous when we begin to feel responsible for stuff we have no jurisdiction over. That's dangerous. Touch your neighbor and say, that's dangerous. It's dangerous when you now see yourself as responsible for the success of your family members and they won't even listen to you. You've been telling them to come to church for years and they have never hated what you've said and now you feel responsible for why they jacked up. That's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. 
That's dangerous. That's dangerous, parents, when you have grown children who, who, who you said, do this, do this, do this. And they said, no, no, no. And then when it blows up in their face, as you predicted it would, now you're the bailout king. You're the bailout queen. And now you're saying to yourself, well, I feel responsible. But the truth is, are you? How can you be responsible for something you don't have jurisdiction over? That's the equivalent of me feeling responsible for the, for the girl in the drive through down at the McDonald's. I don't own that McDonald's. So how do I feel responsible now for how she treated you when you were trying to get your egg McMuffin? Or whatever your particular breakfast uh, meal of choice is at whatever restaurant you choose to shop at. So, has everybody experienced responsibility for something the truth is you really shouldn't be responsible for? Everybody experienced that? Okay, now check this out. Check this out. So, action or inaction creates guilt. Now, here's the second thing. Guilt makes you perverse. Stay with me. Say perverse. I want to show you a scripture that's going to rock your world. It's like Wanda from a living color. (laughs) Oh, y'all know about that in Denver? I didn't know y'all watched TV here. I thought y'all just listened to gospel music all day. Okay. (laughs) Proverbs 21 and 8. Proverbs 21 and 8. I want you to see this. This this is is going to rock your world. (laughs) I was going to try to do the lips, but I I can't do it. Proverbs 21 and 8. You got it? Now, guilt, inaction or inaction creates what? Guilt. If you feel guilt, then that means you are guilty. True or false, because it's real or imagined. So the way of a guilty man is what? Perverse. But as for the pure, his work is right. Look at me. We're going to get real good. The word perverse here is the word forward. Not forward. Forward. You got to switch the O and the R. So this is F-R-O-W-A-R-D. It's amazing what swapping two letters will do to a word. Because forward means progress. Forward means difficult to deal with. Okay, I feel it right here. We're getting ready to go in right here. The scripture says the way of a guilty man makes him difficult to deal with. Come on, be good, be good, be good. The scripture says when you've got a guilty conscience, now you're difficult to deal with. And you just thought you were on your special time. Maybe it's you just feel guilty. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. When you're guilty, the scripture says not only are you difficult to deal with, but by definition, the word means contrary. Contrary is the Hebrew definition of the word evil. So when you feel guilty, you become difficult to deal with. And you begin to do evil stuff. Okay. So some of you need to understand, difficult people are difficult because they feel guilty. When you make simple stuff hard, you do it because you feel guilty. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. When you take things that should take five minutes, yet because you're so difficult to deal with, it ends up taking five years. It's because the truth of the matter is you feel guilty about something, and that guilt is making you hard to deal with. I wish I had an honest church that would not only point the finger at somebody that's been difficult to deal with, but would look at the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror and say, I just found out why I do some stuff I wish I didn't. God, I wish I had a church here. You're difficult to deal with because you're guilty. 
and you're hoping that in your difficulty that that person or persons never find out what it is you feel guilty about. It's too quiet in this church. So you're difficult. Stand over there. I'm not standing over there. You're guilty. And you hope they don't find out because a guilty man acts evil. Some of you are trying to figure out why friendships didn't last and why folks that, you, I mean, y'all were just like this here. I mean, there's a bunk and all that. And then all of a sudden they started acting crazy. It's because they did something they're guilty about. And so they were hoping you would never find out about it. So they became difficult to deal with. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Some of y'all got family members and you're trying to figure out why you act so stank. Why you act like that? It's because they're guilty and they don't want you to find out. I understand as I was studying for this, I said, my God, this explains so much of why certain people are so difficult to deal with. You try to have a simple conversation and a simple conversation got to turn in this and that and this and that and this. I'm like, what the heaven are you talking about? Ain't nobody got time for that. I wrote a church song last week. I took that woman's words and wrote a church song. Ain't nobody got time. I mean, it's a good shouting one too. We're going to sing it after a while. Some of you wonder why your children are acting like Mikey Myers and Freddy Krueger. It's because they're guilty. You're wondering why your spouse is acting crazy with you. It's because they're guilty. And when you're guilty, you begin to act contrary. That explains church leaders why you get problems with church followers. Because the truth is they're hoping you don't find out. Simple stuff may as hard as heaven with some folk because they feel guilty. Ooh, and it ain't even got good. It's getting ready to get good. Touch the neighbor and say, he finna make the gravy. He finna make the gravy. Yes, sir, I'm finna make the gravy. Now, I've been watching Food Network, so I learned how to make a gravy. You got to make a roux, so you got to put some flour off there in that oil, and then you got to just do it. Now, I want this to be a dark roux, you understand? So we're just going to let it work, you understand? We're going to let it rock and shake and shake and rock it and rock it and shake it. Y'all ready? Here it is. So check this out. You ready for this? Uh, Otto Finichel, who uh, is associated with Sigmund Freud, the Austrian neurologist who pioneered modern psychoanalysis, points out that the mastery of guilty feelings becomes the all-consuming task of a person's life. So they begin a process called counter-guilt. Stay with me. Counter guilt is when a person tries to internally reconcile their guilty feelings. Now, remember, you can feel guilty about something you shouldn't feel guilty about. So the crazy part about it is you could be wrong and feel guilty, and you could be right and still feel guilty, but you're still going to begin the process of counter guilt. Now, I need you to stay with me because this is going to get real nasty. Nasty, good nasty. Watch this. Counter guilt has several techniques, but there's two we're going to talk about. Stick with me. The first is called repression. Mm -hmm. Say repression. 
Repression is the psychological mind attempt by an individual to repel one's own desires and impulses toward pleasurable instincts by including the des excluding the desires from one's consciousness and holding or subduing it in the unconscious. Okay, note takers, just get the CD. Some of y'all still on is because you have to ask your neighbor, now how you spell repression? Just, <laughs> I'm going to say it again, but just get the CD. Repression is the psychological attempt by an individual to repel their own desires and impulses towards pleasurable instincts by excluding the desire from their consciousness and holding it up and subduing it in the unconscious. In other words, let me just give it to you in, in, in layman's terms. If I stop thinking about it long enough, maybe it'll go away. If we don't talk about it, maybe it'll fix itself. God, I wish I had a church. That's why so many families got so many issues and so much drama. It's because everybody just hoped if we stopped talking about it that it would go away. The problem is when you repress it, one day it's going to come back. When you already found out she's got two daughters, give me and give me some more. The psychologist suggested in the psychoanalysis of Sigmund Freud and his associates suggested that when a person represses, eventually repression is no longer sufficient and that tactic turns on the person. So then the person has inexplicable outbursts that even they can't explain and they don't know where it came from and they start doing stuff that they know they have no business. What, well, how in the world did this even happen? Because you repressed it for so long and eventually she said, give me and give me some more. Truth is, is you're still angry about what so-and-so did for you. You just hoped if you didn't talk about it that you'd get over it. But you're not talking about it, didn't do anything except push it down. But the more you push it down, the more it says, give me and give me. Oh, God, I'm going to help your neighbor right through here. Because that's the reason some of you can't even enjoy Jesus. You can't even enjoy Jesus because you got all of this stuff on the inside of you that's saying, give me some more. You still here? So you subdue it in the unconscious, the subconscious. You, I'll put it back there. I'll put it back there. And then something happens that throws it in front of your face. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden you discover, oh, I didn't actually deal with that. It's a lot like forgiveness and unforgiveness. You can think you've forgiven. Okay. See them at the mall. And let's see whether or not that forgiveness was real. Because if it was real, you don't try to walk into the store real quick. Oh, y'all going to do that? Y'all going to do that? It's got to be one of them Sunday? Huh? What it is? Repression. In fact, the, the psychologists in their study <coughs> said that this counter-guilt technique of repression contributes to a lot of mental illnesses in people. Mental illnesses. And because they, 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 they got so much that has been... Y'all ever watch The Simpsons? Or a similar cartoon on any particular network of your choice? 
Y'all remember the, uh, what was the neighbor? Ned Flanders. Y'all remember Ned? Hi, the Leoli neighbor. <coughs> Y'all remember him? Come on, don't look at me like Bishop. I've never watched that. I just watched preaching tapes all day. I mean, come on now, you didn't see it. <laughs> now, Ned would go around, hi, you know, and he was just had this personality that you just thought, man, he is so happy. Oh, I'm going to help your neighbor. He's so happy. He's so full of joy. He's so full of life. Until one day, somebody did something to Ned, and Ned snapped, crackled, and popped at the same time. It was a whole box of Rice Krispies. And he just went crazy. Y'all remember that episode? I, I don't remember all what happened. Y'all remember that episode? But so for those of you that have never watched that because you sit in the third heaven all day, <clears throat> what happened Ned would walk around, he would say all these little highly deedly, or he'd say all these little things, and you just think he was a happy guy. Until one day something happened to Ned, check this out, that took him back to his childhood because he had been repressing things for so many years that he learned how to mask the truth. So he learned how to make you think he was happy. The truth is, is when he went home, he was miserable as He knew how to put his good church shout on, but when he got out in the parking lot, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Because sometimes you take fake it until you make it too far. It's quiet here. But there's a second one, and this is where I wanted to get because I've seen this one happen as a pastor. I've seen this one happen, and I've even been looking. This, this, this helped me. These, these things helped me to even evaluate my own life and some of my own decisions and some of my own things. Uh, it's really, really interesting. But as a pastor, the second counter guilt technique I've seen people do, and I would always sit up and wonder until I began to research for this particular message. That's why it excited me so. Because a lot of the times things that we want to just lay hands, Bishop, just cast that self-sabotaging spirit out. Well, the problem is we'd have to get rid of you. <laughs> so if I can cast you out of you, then we got a deal. But if I can't cast you out of you, then we just got to figure out how to work this thing out. I, they had a song said, walk it out. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to walk this one out. The second, oh, I feel it here. The second counter guilt technique is called projection. Projection is self-harm or self-blame. Ooh, listen real good to me. Listen real good. Guilty people punish themselves if they have no opportunity to compensate the transgression that caused them to feel guilty. You, you, you didn't hear it. It was found that self-punishment did not occur if people had an opportunity to compensate the victim for their transgression, which means if you stole $10 from me and you give me back 20 because you understand the scripture says I need some interest for what you took. And so, that's the Bible. So then you give me back 20, the, 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 this, this technique suggests that you may no longer deal with trying to project and, and cause self-harm. If, though, you're in a situation where you don't believe there's anything you can do to compensate for what you've done, you now try to pay the price of guilt by punishing yourself. Somebody's saying, Bishop, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, listen real carefully. Yes, you do. Some forms of self-inflicted punishment are self-denied pleasure. Listen, or not allowing oneself to enjoy the opportunities or benefits that one is given due to guilty feelings that cannot be resolved through compensation. 
Bishop, what you trying to say? God gives you something good, yet you find a way to mess it up because you can't reconcile your bad behavior to God's good grace. And so you're trying to figure out when is this going to mess up? It's the art of self-sabotage. You get the job you've been praying for. You find a way to get fired. You find a way to get fired. No, you didn't hear me. You find a way. Because guilt requires payment. So you figure in your subconscious processing, trying to have counter guilt, you figure I'll punish myself. Because it is counter the equilibrium of the human psyche and the human consciousness for there to not be equity. Unless, of course, you are a psychopath or a sociopath and you need to go see somebody. Okay, so <laughs> we ain't talking about that. We're talking about what we're talking about. <laughs> Let me give you an example because I don't think we fully understood it. I don't think you fully understood it. Projection says... Watch this. I'm going to self-sabotage because I have anxiety that my guilt might take this good experience away. That's, that's, that's why people ruin good stuff. Yeah, okay. Can I take you another further? Okay, watch this. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. So subconsciously, because you know the real deal, you're trying to reconcile this good experience you're having with your bad behavior. The problem is, is you're never going to be able to get that to balance. Bishop, why? Because you misunderstood the whole reason he got on the cross. The whole reason he got on the cross was because you could never pay for the guilt. So you look like a doggone fool trying to get up on the cross and pay for it yourself. But that's what projection does. Projection says, I've got to punish myself. So I will punish myself. By ruining every good experience. Let me prove it to you. Some of you have a good moment, and the whole time you're in a good moment, you're thinking, what's getting ready to go wrong? Y'all ain't going to be honest with me? I didn't expect a lot of shouting today. Now, I'm going to shout you in a minute. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Who, let's be honest. Can we have, because you ain't got to fake and pretend at Harvard. You, can just be, you need to be real. Can, can we be honest? How many of y'all did that this week? Mm -hmm. A good experience. Something good happened. Now listen, you've been waking up before the sun has. Declaring and decreeing and decreeing and declaring and declaring and decreeing. Then when it happens, you're like, oh God. Oh God, but something getting ready to happen. And let me tell you how I know. Because over these last several weeks, one of the things that has been released in the atmosphere has been the spirit of fear. 
And, and so let me just help you explain what's been going on in your life. You could be doing good and all of a sudden some kind of fear and anxiety comes. Who am I talking to? And anxiety comes over you and you're like, where in the world is this coming from? I don't even know where this is coming from. Baby, it's because God was preparing you for this message today. Because when we get done with this today, I don't care if you're guilty or not, you're going to be free from it. You hear? So look, here's what it does. Here's what it does. Self-sabotage occurs. Y'all all right? I got to move. Now remember, uh, grief has a daughter. Her name is Gil. She's got two daughters. Give me and give me some more. Now one of their middle names is called Anxiety. Now, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you real good. Anxiety is an unpleasant state of inner turmoil, often accompanied by nervous behavior, such as pacing back and forth, somatic complaints. Bishop, what is that? You got body pains that don't even make sense. Who, who, I, I'm not talking to nobody today. If I ain't talking to nobody, I just, we can just go home and I'll just preach to the people online. You waking up with pains that don't make sense. How you got a pain down here and you were laying flat? Oh, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. And rumination. Bishop, what is rumination? Rumination is similar to worry, except rumination first focuses on bad feelings and experiences from the past, whereas worry is concerned about events in the future. So during anxiety, not only are you, are you acting nervous and you're doing this and you're doing that, you can't even get your job done because you're ruminating. <laughs> you, you, you can't even focus on reading your Bible because you're ruminating because you have now fixated yourself on the previous bad experiences that you've had and you're trying to reconcile, why do I feel good? Because a guilty conscience wants give me You still here? Okay, so let's, let's walk it another further. Anxiety is the subjective, unpleasant feeling or dread of something that is unlikely to happen. Anxiety is not the same as fear, which is felt about something realistically intimidating or dangerous. Anxiety, check this out, check this out, is usually an overreaction to a situation. That's one of Gilt's daughters. Give me anxiety. That's her middle name. You got that? You're sitting up here worried about something, stressing about something that is highly unlikely to happen. But guilt is making sure you don't enjoy the moment. Because all it wants is some more. It's interesting because lately I've been talking a lot about giving a mouse a cookie. <laughs> That's how guilty it is. It wants more and more and more and more. And then when you're like, I've given it everything I can give it, it's like, no, you haven't. You haven't given me your rest. No, you haven't. You haven't given me your peace. No, you haven't. You haven't given me your joy. No, you haven't. You've been sitting up listening to these teachings for years, and you still ain't doing them. You ain't gave me that. Give me that. Give me them CDs. Let me have that. Let me hold on to that. <laughs> let me hold that for a minute. Let me, let, me, let me look at that. Can I borrow that from you? 
So you end up giving it as something you think you're lending to grief to only discover that grief was intending to rob you. Give me and give me some more. So you're scared to make any move because you messed up with your last move. You're scared to make any steps of faith because you're ruminating. You're thinking about your last step of faith. I said this last week, but I'm led to say it again. You need to understand that if you failed or lost in the past, that is what ought to give you enough knowledge to know that failure is not the end. Sometimes you got to learn how to be a good loser. Because the scripture says he always causes us to triumph, which means even when it looks like I lost, I really won because he's going to find a way to make a loss my win. But that's above your pay grade. Touch your neighbor, that's above your pay grade. As humans, we got a bad problem trying to fix stuff that's above our pay grade. Anybody get a good idea of this guilt thing? Anybody like, wow, I can see it now? If you can't see it, then go get the CD because you need to see it because you will see it because it's been robbing you. And you've been saying, oh, the devil. That ain't the de- if the devil's name is yours, then yes. It's guilt. And she's a vampire-like demon. That's interesting because can I just teach you for just a minute? For, for, for that to be the Hebrew definition, for it to use the word vampire, that's interesting. Okay, I got it. y'all don't want to dive. Fine. Nope, we won't dive. No, come on, Bishop. Nope, I'm not. Nope. You should have said amen better than that. <laughs> amen. I'm not diving. We are not diving. Some of y'all are like, Bishop, what do you mean dive? I mean to where we dive deep. Because how would the Hebrews have a concept of what a vampire is? <laughs> come to Bible college. All right, so if you want freedom from guilt... That's his definition, a vampire-like demon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who wants freedom from guilt? Now, put your hand down. How many of you have done some some jacked-up stuff? Come on, let's. (laughs) (laughs) Look at the neighbor and say, we all have. Don't you be sitting up here acting like you perfect. You got your good church outfit on today, but don't you act like. Now you're Diana of destiny, but one day it was dirty Diana. Don't be acting like. We've all done some stuff, right? Let's be honest. How many of us have done some real jacked up stuff? Come on. See? We all have, yes. haven't we? Yes, sir. How many done some stuff that you're so glad the Lord handled in private? Yeah. <laughs> oh, y'all shouted about that. <laughs> Ain't you glad the Lord took you in the back room and dealt with you in the back and didn't let everybody else see what he was dealing with you about? You ought to be glad that he was merciful and that he was kind when he was... The Lord says, shut the door. Y'all step out. I got to take care of some business right quick. And the Lord, because he'll cover you when you need to be kept. And he'll, uh, come here, baby. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. 
He's done that for all of us. He's done that for all of us. But check this out. But your conscience doesn't know that. That's why it still has guilt. You, you still have guilt. Because you think you could have done something different. You still have guilt. Because you're saying, why did I do that? So I don't know about you. But uh, please excuse the phraseology I'm getting ready to commence in. But I'm about ready to kill that trick. <laughs> Translation. Anybody else ready to kill guilt right now? I'm the only one? Can I get about 150 of y'all? 200? Can I get somebody out and say, I'm ready to put guilt out of her misery. You've stolen from me for the last day. You're no man, guilt. Y'all ready to kill her? We're going to take her out back and we're going to kill her. Her is guilt. We're going to shoot to kill. Y'all ready to kill her? All right, be seated. Here it is. First thing, don't keep what Jesus took. Don't keep what Jesus, Jesus took. What did he take? Guilt. Do you understand that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, do you understand that they tried him as a criminal and he was found guilty according to the law? No, you, you don't get it. Then what Jesus did for you and I is exchanged our guilty sentence for his sentence of innocence. Now, I need you to get this. I need you to get this. They tried him as a criminal and killed him like one. You're not hearing what I'm saying. So when he was hanging, he was hanging and paying the death like he was a two-bit criminal. He was paying the death like he had done what we did. I wish I had somebody in here. So when they hung him and when they beat him and when they killed him, they were doing to him what guilt is currently trying to do to you. Which means if somebody's already died for it, I'd look crazy trying to die for it twice. Touch your neighbor and say, didn't he die? Oh, yes, he did. And when he died, he paid the price of a guilty, low-down, whore-mongling. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? You name whatever it is that you've done, they put that on trial, found it guilty, and killed him. He took it. Shout, he took it. The trip is... <laughs> Is that you've been taking it back. And you're in a prison, watch this, that God can't let you out of because you have the keys. Be a good church. Guilt is a prison that even God can't get you out of because you're sitting in the back corner rocking back and forth with the keys. Tell my Lord, I just hope I have a good day today. Lord, I just, Lord, please get me out of this. Lord, 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 I don't know why. And God is saying, get. Pray for me. He's saying, stand up and go unlock the prison because I've already paid for it. I can't get you out of a prison you control. Come on. I got the keys. 
got a house key? Or a car key? We're going to pretend it's like it's your house key. So anybody got a key? No key? Somebody got a key? Give me a key. Okay, good. This is the house key. There's a lot of keys. <laughs> These are the janitor's keys. <laughs> now check this out. Here's what Jesus did on the cross. You ready? You ready? Here's what he did. He hung. He died. And you know what he said? It's finished. You know what he was meaning when he said it's finished? Lots of things. But let me make it real practical for you. He said, I just finished cutting him some keys. And you know what he did? He said, he said, he goes to his apostles. Then the apostles give that power to the people. He says, now I give you the keys. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. Check this out. Stop asking me. Come here. Stop asking me. Watch this. Jesus said, it is finished. Boop, there go your keys. Don't drop your keys. <laughs> Ladies, don't lose your keys in your purse. Watch this. Now, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. So, Jesus is sitting up saying, I'm done. And you're sitting there saying, Lord, please give me out. Lord, please give me out. Lord, do it. Lord, do it. Lord, do it. Lord, touch. Lord, touch. Lord, touch. And God is saying, partner, would you please use your key. I can't let you out when you got the keys and you're the only one with the set. Touch your neighbor say, you got the only set. Your mama don't have that set. Your daddy don't have that set. The devil doesn't have that set. You got the only set. So look, because guilt is like holding yourself hostage for a ransom that can never be paid. Now, let me give you some scripture. I'm going to help you. This is going to shout you. If it doesn't shout you, well, just shout, okay? Just don't be difficult. Okay, Hebrews 9.22. Let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? <laughs> but, Bishop, I did it. Duh. <laughs> Ain't nobody denying that. <laughs> nobody's denying that that's why he paid the price he knew you would he knew you did another factoid you may not have been aware of he was right there when you was doing it and you know what he said well I'm glad that my blood paid for that I'm glad that my grace paid for that. I'm glad that my mercy paid for that. <laughs> Hebrews 9.22, you got it? Look at this. And according to the law, <clears throat> almost all things are purified with what? Blood. What did Jesus shed on the cross? His blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You want to know what remission means? Remission means a canceling of debt. Bishop, what are you talking about? Guilt comes from the old English word guilt, which means crime, sin, fault, fine, debt. Oh, my God. Come on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did we lose the king's English? Guilt, I'm going to say it again, means crime, sin, fault, fine, debt. So guilt creates a cost somebody has to pay. So when Jesus shed his blood, you know what he did? He paid the debt for your guilt. You don't get it, do you? Jesus said, I'm paying for it. 
I don't need you going back in the restaurant trying to settle it. I paid for it. Now, here's the problem you ha- some of you are having with this because you're trying to reconcile it. The cancellation of the debt is not denying that you owed it. You just don't owe it anymore. It's not saying you were right when you were clearly wrong. It's just saying you no longer owe that anymore. Now, let me be very clear so we're clear. It doesn't mean that you don't try to right your wrongs. You can't just treat people poorly and go around and saying Jesus paid it all. You can't go around lying to people saying, well, Jesus paid for it. I know I lied, but the Lord paid for it. Okay, all right, well, let me show you what he told me to do. (laughs) Since he's talking so much. Here's what it says. It doesn't mean that you don't try to right your wrongs. It just means you don't keep beating yourself up for them. Did you get that? Real simple, y'all. Real simple. Real simple. Real simple. Don't make it hard. It's not denying that you owe the debt. It's just saying, I no longer beat myself up for the debt. How many of y'all ever, no, I ain't going to ask that. How many, let me ask you like this. How many of you know somebody that ever had a car, shall we say, forcefully taken? (laughs) Whatever that means for you. And how many of y'all, you knew that person, say, in the 80s and 90s? <laughs> okay. Now, it is the year, what, 2014, right? So, wouldn't it be kind of foolish for you to still be crying about your 88 Tercel? Y'all, y'all ain't going... I know you liked it because you had got rims on it and the rims cost more than the car did. And I know you was excited about it because you put your stereo in there. I know, I know, I know you put your Kenwood system in there and you had your subs in the trunk. I know, but I'm just saying. We're going on 26 years. Right? Is that the right man? (laughs) You see what I'm saying? See, here's, here's the deal. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus says, it's not denying that you did it. It's not denying that you don't try to right your wrongs if you can. Okay? You beat somebody up and you were wrong. Well, that's a wrong you can right. Let me say, I just, the Lord forgave me. Well, if you still have a way to tell them I shouldn't have been beating you up. (laughs) I'm just saying. Because, see, that's how guilt works. Because since you, remember what we learned. Since you weren't able, to, if you're not able to provide any compensation, then you begin to try to take that compensation from yourself. Counter guilt, projection, and repression. You got it? So it doesn't mean that. It just means I can't beat myself up for it anymore. How long are you going to beat yourself up? I should have I did this. I should. Well, you didn't. You didn't. So, okay, now what? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do about it? Second thing, and I'm through. You ready? Remember, we we taking guilt out back to shoot her. You're going to kill her. You don't negotiate with her. You just kill her. 
Her refers to guilt, as well as her daughters. <laughs> this is one of them Old Testament stories where the Lord said, just kill them all. This is one of them. Everybody got that? Let his blood cleanse your conscience. Hebrews 9.14. Hebrews 9.14. Hebrews 9.14. Hebrews 9.14. <clears throat> you ever seen somebody with a guilty conscience? You ask them questions and they respond with guilt? What are you doing? Oh, well, I had... What? So you already know you shouldn't have did that. Uh, can I just parenthetically throw something in? If you have to conceal what you're doing... so funny to see people and how they try to conceal stuff. So interesting. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's your answer. If you can't tell the reason on the Dream Team hotline, uh-huh, you lying. Just quit lying. Stop that lying. Ooh, it's quiet in this church. It's quiet. Oh, what a gigantic. It's quiet up in this church. Don't start nothing. Hebrews 9 and 14. How do you say 14 in Spanish? Catorce. How do you say 9? Nueve catorce. How do you say Hebrews? Hebrews. 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 I set a goal, y'all, so I'm taking baby steps. You guys got it? Listen. Y'all read it with me. One, two, ready, read. So what does this blood do? It cleanses your conscience. Now, Bishop, how do I do that? <laughs> it's real simple. You appropriate what's been appropriated. A lot of times, Christians, if you've been poorly taught, you, you say, I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I plead the blood. Hey, 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 I plead the blood. Mr. Bishop, Mr. Bishop, I plead the blood. And that's real cute. The problem is, is that's, not, that's not the way to do that. The blood has been pled, and the blood has been shed already. So you repleting a case that's already cold. You repleting a case that's already been tried is you trying to re-prosecute Jesus. So every time you say, I plead the blood, I plead the blood, what you're essentially saying is I don't believe what you did 2,000 years ago is good enough to work today. So I'm asking you to get back up there. Every time you say, I plead it, that's what you're asking him to do. So instead of approaching it that way, which has some fallacy, let's approach it the appropriate way, which means, Father, I, listen, I thank you that your blood has been shed and pled for me to wash my conscience free of every dead work and to wash my conscience free from guilt. I don't need him to replead what he's pled. Do you understand this? Now, I just messed some of y'all sacred crowds up because that's what Big Mama and them talk. Baby, just plead the blood, plead the blood, plead the blood. You are asking him to get back up there again. He don't need to do that. The blood he shed 2,000 years ago was good enough. 
Y'all ready to do it? Y'all ready to do it? Now watch this. Every time you feel guilt and anxiety, and you, every time you feel that, it's the same thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that your blood has been pled and your blood has been shed and it washes my conscience free from every dead work. So next week when guilt's trying to trip up on you, Father, because evidently it didn't get the message last week. And I'm going to keep speaking it and confessing it and confessing it and speaking it and declaring it and decreeing it and decreeing it and declaring it until guilt knows don't mess with me no more. Because here's what happens. As humans, we do other stuff. <laughs> so then you've, now you've got new stuff that guilt's trying to come in on. So that's why you have to repeatedly do it. Y'all ready to do it? Everybody stand on your feet. We're getting ready to do it. We're getting ready to do this thing. I said we're getting ready to do this thing. Bishop, is that simple? No, nah, pretty much. Now, again, as I said earlier in the teaching, that's not to say that if you need to see somebody, you don't need to go see somebody. What I'm saying is that Jesus canceled the debt. He looked at your credit report and said, ooh-wee. And he instituted Deuteronomy 15 and said, I declare it's got to be a release of debt. And whatever wrongs that, that you can write, write them. Write them. Write them. What's it going to hurt? Your pride. Well, in that case, then you need to start over from tape one. Or CD1. Y'all know what I mean. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, lift your hands. Everybody say this to me. Father, Father in the name of Jesus, name of Jesus today, today, I understand your word. I understand, your word. I understand, I understand that you have paid the price and canceled my guilt. You were tried and found guilty for my stuff. As a result, you shed your blood. And because of that blood being shed and being pled on my behalf, I ask that you would wash my conscience free from dead works. I lose guilt. I lose anxiety. And in the name of Jesus, I declare they no longer have a resting place in me. From this moment forward, I have had surgery. And the doctor called Jesus just took guilt out of me. I will no longer self-sabotage. I will no longer project and repress. I am free. The debt has been canceled. Now, Harvest, if you believe that, I need you to praise God with everything you've got. Jesus canceled the debt. Jesus takes away the gift.
guilt. Shout about it. Shout about it. yourself up get off the cross he has already died on it be free from guilt be free from guilt be free from guilt be free from guilt and be free from her daughter experiences are what people love the most about travel that's why they love viator They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.